All right. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Welcome to the live edition of the Fly With Us podcast. This podcast is bringing the art of conversation, self-love, self-care, mental health care and protection, life lessons, love lessons, and everything in between. Today, we kick off our hip-hop series talking about knowledge and hip-hop. We got special guests joining us. They'll be popping in and out throughout the broadcast. I'm your girl, Lady Bounce. And I am Picket Fence. Today's Mindfulness Minute is research stuff. Learning has been widely documented as a key variable when it comes to health and longevity. When people are engaged in doing and learning new things, their well-being and happiness increase significantly. Significantly, Find something you have always wanted to know about and set out to research it. Learn how it works, where it came from, what it does, anything and everything you can. Expand your mind and not just on superficial level. Really explore this new thing with veracity. Your mind and your mood will thank you. Word up. Word up. So All the reason right, I so picked that the reason I picked yeah, that mindfulness minute um, today is because we're talking about the lost element of hip hop, which is knowledge. Um, during my brief stint in the Zulu Nation, one of the things um, that was added to the other elements that we still talk about, which is breakdancing, DJing, MCing, graffiti. Um, but the fifth element they added was knowledge. And we used to receive a plethora of books through our emails, PDAs on different topics of knowledge. Um, and it seems today that that element has been forgotten. So our first special guest that is here with us now, David Archer, I'm going to kick that off to you and ask you, why do you think knowledge is no longer a part of the hip hop elements. Okay. Well, thank you again for having me on, on the show. And uh, I'll just give my own interpretation. This may not be the one interpretation that's out there. Uh, and I come from this from a perspective where I'm an anti-racist psychotherapist and a lover of hip hop music. Um, but that love affair was short lived because um, uh, there's something that changed and I think that money is something that's going to change any type of artist so a lot of times I believe when people are making hip-hop in the early 90s uh, there was something very new that was happening there was something that was very uh, you were able to to say like you know f the police and all this stuff like there's there was just a lot of stuff that was happening in it um, I was also a big fan of like um, tribe called quest uh, because I like the fact that they didn't fit into any specific type of genre that was there. But I felt that there, that although, uh, you know, Fight Dog did have some battle raps, Q-Tip did have some some types of, like, I felt there was some knowledge that was even in, in the way how they did it. It was a different type of hip-hop music, De La Soul, all of us. I really think that when it came to the, uh, the clause of capitalism going into the music, I think that's what changed it. It was no longer about knowledge. It was more about how do you make a record that's going to sell to the greatest amount of people? Uh, there's already some studies that are out uh, relating to this, as many people might know, or if you don't know, the greatest consumer of, uh, of rap music is actually white people. So um, it's something interesting where the people who are making the music don't always look like the people who are consuming it. And the people who are paying for the music to be made are also white people as well. So 
there's something about how it became more about entertainment, more about selling records rather than about uh, keeping the um, you know the the elements of hip hop together. Because I don't I don't I don't know about a lot of present day hip hop, but I haven't seen a b boy or b girl like I, I don't I don't see the like graffiti. I don't I don't know if that's what's what's happening. I mean I'm dating myself and making myself sound like an ancient person, which I kind of am. Um, only because like I don't know about hip hop for like the past 20 years because after I started to be about being in the club I was like no I'm done with this Mm -hmm. I I think one thing with that is that those other things do exist but they became subcultures like there's still groups or graffiti artists there's still b-boys and b-girls but it seems like they're separated instead of being like in the beginning they were all together and they were all part of the same culture and and it seems like i don't know if one was not promoted enough or um the money wasn't there for one element or another and those became subculture so there's still graffiti competitions going on and there's still there's stores dedicated to selling art supplies just specifically for graffiti artists um and b-boys is is now going to be in the next olympics and there was a b-boy was in the world games this past world games um so why those things became the fragment started breaking off i'm not for certain um i think like you said one thing might have been money um there probably wasn't a lot of money in b-boy until recently and now they have all these b-boy competitions um same thing with uh, graffiti um, now there's this big explosion in graffiti when it comes to skateboarders mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, but for some reason, I think there's a bigger picture that we don't may not ex- have explored of why it became so fragmented. Mm-hmm. And uh, going and going back to knowledge, I think that um, we've seen in recent years for some reason that it's cool to be stupid. And I don't know why that is, yeah. but. Mm-hmm. It's um, I'm an artist myself, and I, I have this bar in my mind all the time. That's not on a song that I just keep thinking about. It's like um, they take the worst of us and bottle it up and give it to the world, mm-hmm. and then they re-bottle it and sell it back to us. Yep. And it's just it's it's pretty wild just seeing seeing that. I mean, especially if you're aware and you're watching it, it's like the the most nonsense is the most popular thing now. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. It's because um, the concept of blackophilia and blackophobia, these things are, are related, is that there's um, the thing that sells the most in hip hop is the stereotype of the black person. This is this is the thing. So that's why when we talk about the elements of hip hop, I think that they've just been substituted. So maybe instead of like graffiti and like and like spray cans, it's like spraying bullets. You know what I mean? Or like instead of mm-hmm. like the b boy like dancing, it's really just about like prostitution or being able to sexualize like black women in, in this way. I think that it's really that the elements have just been substituted, and that um, because back in the day, I also used to I used to make hip hop music, so I used to be an underground artist, and I was intentional in that. So it's about like. Uh, 
about like a decade, I was making music and like performing <laughs> and all that stuff and like chilling with my bros and my bros would make beats and all of these things. I think that technology did play a role. Not everyone was able to have like uh, the, um, uh, like we didn't have a DJ. I didn't have like uh, the ability to make, uh, to like use records. I didn't have access to records, but everyone had computer at the time. So we were able to make beats digitally with synths and like samples and all that stuff. What was interesting for me is that I made music because I didn't like the music that was out there. So I'm from Canada, okay, I'm Montreal, Canada. And what happened was there was a lot of rappers who were imitating American accents because our accent isn't cool enough. So it's, it's the same thing as that. We were trying to shape ourselves into being like American American uh, artists. And um, and especially not even just American artists, but like the, the stereotype of what the, the black rapper is supposed to be. So, you know, we would use the N-word because the N-word, again, we were trying to reclaim it, which I, I don't agree with. I don't think you can reclaim something that's been used to oppress our ancestors. But again, that's an, another element of how rap music is right now. And it's like, I came from a small town and um, we didn't have a lot of drug dealers. Like the, the biggest drug dealer was just the local pharmacist. And so like, we, didn't, we weren't able to, to kind of translate it in that way. So we just imagined that we were something that was non-existent by trying to be gangster in a suburb. So I really believe that um, part of the problem is that um, the people who buy the music and the way to market the music is by consuming the stereotype. We need to dumb it down. It's not about consuming intelligence or consuming wisdom. It's about being able to look out from the outside and be, and be like, wow, these black people are so, they're so violent. They're so hyper, hypersexual. Um, and their music is violent, but it's never directed towards me because they're using the N word. So I can consume it yeah. from a distance and I can participate in blackness without um, needing to participate in their struggle. So it doesn't need to be about uh, racial justice. It doesn't need to be about um, uh, police brutality. It doesn't need to be about uh, the intellectual concepts. It just needs to be something that's safe enough where I could kind of plug in kind of like um, how Call of Duty is a very popular video game. Grand Theft Auto, these are very popular video games because of their violent content. So I could check it out and not feel as if I'm personally offended. So they will never, they will always say, direct their anger towards the N-word, but never towards a white person. And that's, that's a cardinal, I feel it's a cardinal rule in gangster music. It has to be that we are not directing our anger towards the system that has enabled the ghettos to exist in the first place. I, I like that. That's, that's, that's a bar. That's something to really, really ponder and think about. And I don't want to get too deep into what I'm about to say. I just want to briefly touch about it. When you talked about the knowledge and dumbing it down, it, just instantly because it's been in the news so heavily the last few days the Kyrie Irving thing mm -hmm. um and another bar since this thing is I've like I said I've been paying a lot of attention to it just briefly because I don't want it to consume me but it it makes me think of it's better to live in someone else's lie than to live in your own truth um like and I made a couple comments to different of my friends that I don't agree with with his um, religious practices. I, I won't even say agree. Like that's not my path. His his religious practice is not my path. But we all have the internet now, and people are able to research and study different things. 
And just briefly looking over, it doesn't seem to me that he's being anti-Semitic because if he's claiming to be a real Jew, a real quote unquote, a real Jew, then how can he be anti-Semitic? And now there's all this big thing about he has to, to come back and work, play basketball. He has to apologize. He has to condemn this movie and book that he had been reading during quarantine. He has to meet with the Jewish leaders of the city that he plays basketball in. And he has to do all these things. And then I saw another meme about all the stuff that he has charitably done over the last few years. And then listening to the press conference where he several times continues says, I don't mean to offend anybody. This is the research I've seen. This is the research that I've read. And I have friends of all walks of life. So why is it that we aren't allowed to tell our own stories is what I've been getting from this. And then you have his counterparts, his um, peers coming on TV, calling him an idiot just for having a different opinion or a different thought process. And it's just it's just almost maddening. That's why I haven't paid a lot of attention to it. But just seeing that go on, it's like that shows you they don't want you to have knowledge. At least to me, it seems like they don't want you to have knowledge. Mm. What well, you study, what you learn is automatically wrong. Mm hmm. For me, like, I don't know the specifics about this case as well, because I just feel every week there's another black person that we're supposed to be upset about. <laughs> I feel if it's if it's not Kanye West, it'll be it'll be another person. But um, I feel that even that serves a function and the function is complete distraction. OK, mm -hmm. is that um, realistically, I mean, I mean, I know that we're talking about hip hop, but realistically, though, <laughs> uh, even though I'm an anti-racist, um, and I specialize in trauma and all these things. Um, you know, Russia is at war with Ukraine and kind of at war with the United States behind the scenes and all that. So at any point, someone could just pr press a button and then a nuclear explosion is the last thing that we see. Not to, not to traumatize anyone, not to scare anybody about this. But I really believe that with hip hop music, to bring it back, is that we got caught up in distractions as well is that I think maybe in the early 90s, I think that there were like some pivotal times around the time when the Malcolm X movie was coming out and, and like like the Spike Lee movies. So there was a specific critical moment that was there. But I do think that the distractions got us off base. And now like rap music, it, does, it doesn't mean the same thing as it did uh, back in the day. And I think you said you're going to have some presentation or some podcasts that you guys are going to talk about ageism and all of those things. And I'm glad that you're going to, to speak about that because I feel it's like uh, black men are not able to be uh, elders in uh, white uh, racist society. That oh. black men, your age has to, you have to be young. Well, there's something, even with white people as well, uh, there's a fascination in this culture of being young all the time of like, you know, being like sexy and being like super attractive and, and all these things. 
uh, but there's not so much of a focus on um, on that ac accumulation of knowledge. Like even when we think about it, how many we're able to count an unlimited amount of basketball players who speak for behalf of our race, okay? Which is strange. We could yeah. we could count like these entertainers who speak on behalf of all black people. I'm like, who elected these these people to be this? But for some reason, there's not a black intellectual who who does the same in our culture, you know. And when I say our culture, as you know, uh, Canadians, we have boring news. You Americans, you guys have exciting news where there's explosions, and white people <laughs> climbing buildings during the Capitol protests and wearing animal skins. Um, so the thing is, when I say our culture, I mean that it's a it's a general Western problem that, that exists. Is there's this fascination with keeping black people young, keeping black people like um, like in this in, in a box. So while I didn't see the Kylie Irving thing, I haven't taken a lot of time to study it. I like to take that that backup view and just be like, well, why is it that a black man again is the subject of all of our conversations, even though black people are it's the there's more white people in the United States than black people. So there's a purpose for why the suffering gets projected into us. Uh, black people didn't invent Nazism but they're being lumped in with anti-semitism and i'm like i'm like really you're telling me there's no you got some people that are trying to run your offices in the republican party who are clearly racist and clearly want to destroy the whole country and the biggest focus right now is a basketball player or a rapper it's fascinating and it's a distraction yeah it's it's baffling it's yeah. absolutely baffling go ahead lady bounce you, you go ahead. yeah yeah uh, I mean, well, I was just like, I'm listening to you guys and I'm taking it all in because I'm thinking about the things that you're saying from an educator's perspective and the way that my students identify with rap music and the way that they consume it. I mean, and when I say consume it, I mean, they they drink it in with their entire mm -hmm. soul and existence. And they really think that that this is how it is or this is how things are. And they glorify it you know to the point where like we have you know issues at school with like students following just basic rules because the music they listen to says you know who gonna check me or you know what authority do you have over me mm -hmm. so we we have a lot of buck in the system and and it's because of you know the music isn't telling you hey being smart is what it is being respectful is what it is and no this isn't your mother but this is somebody's mother and so the way that you talk to this teacher, if you don't talk to your own mother that way, then you should automatically have like a button that says, no, this ain't the move or no, this isn't what I should say. But they they listen to, you know, to these rappers and they, they watch their lifestyles and they even are basketball players and they look up to these idols. And then you have people like, you know, um, what's his name, Charles Barkley, whose famous line is, I'm not a role model. But you are a role model by the simple fact of who you are and the platform space that you occupy. Right. So with that being said, do our basketball players, celebrities, rappers, you name it, do they have a responsibility to be knowledgeable or are they allowed to just be free and say dumb stuff and do dumb stuff? And and it's who's gonna check me. Are they allowed, should they be allowed to just do that when people are watching, mainly kids? 
I'm going to let David Archer answer that, but I'm so glad that you just mentioned that whole Charles Barkley thing about I am not a role model because he's been the main, one of the main people that has been on TV calling uh, Kyrie an idiot. He's been one of the main people on live TV calling this man an idiot for his beliefs. And after he had this, he had commercials and a whole campaign about not being a role model. And and the, like I said, I don't want to go into the Kyrie thing, but I'm, I'm gonna let you answer that, David. Um, well, it's just that um, it, it's a little complicated because I'm thinking about it from like if I could bring it back to the hip hop thing for a second, because it's all the same concept that we're talking about. It's right. it's like the way how black people are represented in culture. Cause that's what rap music a lot of it was a lot of you'd see like some people saying yo i'm just talking about what it's like to be in the ghetto i'm just talking about what it was like for me to to kind of pay my bills and all these things um it's just that now a lot of these rappers are liars like like come on like it can't be every single one of the rappers has a thousand women and a thousand bank accounts in offshore banking if, the, if that's what they do. i don't know what they do any any nowadays <laughs> but I don't know if the crypto, I don't know if they're talking about stuff like that. But anyways, the the key thing, though, is we have to ask ourselves. uh, I I actually think that basketball players should be good at playing basketball. And I I, I will be impressed when basketball players are experts in history or in anti-racism or any of these things. My question, what we should do, though, is we should not have to hold basketball players to this high standard that we don't hold up to hockey players. Like, I'm surprised because the the racial differences in hockey, there's not a lot of black people there. But you're telling me there's no racist white people at all that have made the news? Like, there's no stories whatsoever about a racist white guy having a racist rant in hockey? Like, why is it that the biggest stories are consistently going to be us? And I think it's because uh, blackophobia is linked with blackophilia. I think that the culture loves black people and at the same time, they're afraid of them. Um, uh, white people would love to get a tan every once in a while, uh, but at the same time, not to inherit the struggle of the darkened uh, uh, complexion. And I really, really believe that deep down, unconscious, deeper than all of this stuff, is because remember the first walking human, the first homo, homo sapien sapien, was mitochondrial Eve, and she was a black woman from Africa. So even though um, white people exist as separate today, we know that deep down inside they share the same origin that we all do share. So there's kind of this anger that is towards black people. There's kind of this anger that's towards women as well. And I feel that a lot of it is is wrapped up in, in the same thing. There's this fascination that exists with black people, but not with the aspect of themselves that's going to relate to being the cradle of civilization. If we talk about the black intelligence, we might start to think too much about, well, who was the first people to write to use paper and pen the papyrus is the egyptian creation and when we think about like well yo like how far back were the first pyramids ever created greece wasn't even in existence but greece is supposed to be the the uh i guess the beginning of of knowledge and the philosophers and all of these things so we have to keep it so that black people are constantly fighting against each other or are constantly distracted about fights among black people 
or else we might have enough space kind of like what happened in the pandemic for us to take us a, a bit of time to meditate to think about what blackness means for all of us and uh we might gain the courage uh to collectively change the world but i really do believe though that uh all of this energy that is directed towards black people saying the wrong things on, on tv uh it's really to distract from the fact that uh, there's a lot of other things that we should be caring about, including the climate, including the inflation and all these things. And the inflation is not caused by a black person saying anti-Semitic uh, things, but that thing increases the price of all of our food that we're, that we're paying for. So I think that this collective outrage should really be towards the corporations that have ruined or attempted to ruin our hip hop music by trying to put profit before people. Uh, that uh, these businesses that are kind of borrowing time in the future and making it so that, you know, we can't even recycle, pl like recycling plastic doesn't even do anything. Like apparently 5% of the American plastics that are are actually recyclable. So these are things that are a little, a little too scary. So instead, let's focus on Charles Barkley. Instead, let's focus on, uh, on a basketball uh, going up and down. Uh, when there's real problems that would be a little bit too um uh a little bit too problematic for maintaining this uh this balance of white insecurity and black suffering that's my answer if that <laughs> i like that and it and it it really does make a lot of sense i think it you know sometimes we put too much stock into um things that don't matter and because we we do that it does keep us distracted in a way because how mm -hmm. dare us not even as black people but as people in general how dare us you know band together and realize how powerful we really are against the machine that tries to keep us separated i mean i have i have white friends that will ride just as hard for me as my black friends i've got white people in my family that will ride just as hard but it's so easy and it's such a basic i mean it's such a basic argument to go you know black versus white or rich mm -hmm. versus poor it's so mm -hmm. it's like it just keeps us down here in this bottom basement level of thinking because how dare us realize how powerful we really are and how powerful we we could be through uniting through music because music is a universal language that kind of unites us all there's no other entity on the planet that a white person can do just as good as a black person except when it comes to music and art and being creative and instead of us embracing that and saying hey this is where it is this is where this is where we all should be this is where we all want to be it's so much easier to to get caught up in that distractive you know basement level hey this is what it is or this is what it ain't and that's just that and and i'm okay with it i don't like it but i'm okay with it i'm not gonna fight against it because eh, why bother and and to me i i don't because i work with young people i can't subscribe to that philosophy because things have to change i have to empower these these kids that i've been entrusted with to change the world and to see the bigger picture but me as, as an educator trying to do it, I'm fighting against this massive separation machine that I could never win against. And sometimes it is a little disheartening to keep staying in the fight because it seems like people don't want better, people don't want to do better when 
then I, you know, I have to remind myself, like, like Pickett is always reminding me, it's programming. So we're fighting against the programming and we don't have the money or the capital or even the intellectual capital to fight against the programming. So I guess my, my question then is, how do we find these artists that are fighting against the programming? Because our market is so flooded and saturated with those who are, you know, regurgitating everything that they're selling to sure. us. Where are these artists that aren't just regurgitating what they're selling to us? How do we find us? How do we big up those people and put them back into the spotlight? That's that's a good question. Um, so I I do not have the answer. I do not know uh, the uh, the way. I, but I can also I can always say there is like I don't know the one truth or the one perfect answer, but I can just give my answer for it. Um, um, I'll just say it. So I have a new book, okay? So I wrote a, a third book, and this book is called Racial Trauma Recovery. The reason why I bring this up is because I wouldn't be uh, writing and doing my anti-racist psychotherapy things if I didn't if I wasn't a hip hop artist first. When I was making hip hop, because the reason why I made hip hop music is because I loved the music so much that I wanted to make music that was just for me to listen to and music that I love because as an artist, I just love to create things. Um, in our in our culture and in our society, there's it's almost as if a lot of people are searching for the savior or they're searching for someone to come rescue them. But I believe our responsibility is to rescue ourselves. We do have to be guided by the will of the ancestors, but ultimately it's up to us to create the thing we want to see in the world. It's, it's like this, is that um, if, if the thing that doesn't serve us is not within vicinity, we must create the thing. And as a person who studied in my field, my field is super white and it's super exclusive in terms of who's a psychologist and who is the one with expertise and all of these things. So one day after those George Floyd protests, I just started to say, yo, I'm going to make my own practice. People are looking at me like, yo, what do you mean? You're not going to work for somebody? What do, what do you mean? Because like, um, I'm a Jamaican. Okay. And it's just that even in, in our culture is the idea is that you need to have your work and, and all of these things. And because I'm a second generation immigrant, it was a little bit like even some black people were like, what do you mean you're going to have your own practice and all this stuff? But right now I am becoming the person that I've always wanted to meet. And I encourage, since you said that you're an educator of just knowing that your presence is making a big difference in the lives of those of those youth, just the fact that you exist there. And it doesn't even need to be something extraordinary in terms of, uh, of writing a book or in terms of making a huge conference or any of that. It's the fact that we exist. The fact that I've written these books makes it so that there's something to at least counter that long... Um, that like incessant stream of yes that is trying to say what a black person is meant to be it's the fact that we exist that makes the difference it's the fact that the will of our ancestors still continues it's if we can continue the momentum of memory of remembering we've been here before we have experienced these types of things before with media hyper focusing on black people saying bad things about it bill cosby michael jackson like all of these 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 uh these things seem to to happen in waves and patterns 
but it's to us to understand that um, no one's going to develop the way to save ourselves outside of us. And if we can heal from our trauma that in that uh, that associates blackness with this belief that we can't or that there's not enough resources or there's not enough of these opportunities, uh, I think uh, we can find solutions to reach across the different states, the uh, imaginary lines that separate us called Canada, America, Brazil and all these things. And we can uh, we can resolve these these issues. I think it's really that we've been cut off from our past because we've been cut off from our past. We've been cut off from our traditions as we've been cut off from our traditions. We lose a little bit of the momentum of memory, but it's up to us to reclaim our hip hop music and to make it ours and to stop uh, supporting any of these like terrible people who actually don't like black people. Um, I wanted to just say one thing about what Pickett was saying before. Uh, we can be black and we can hate black people at the same time. It's very easy to be a black white supremacist. We know of many Candace Owens. We know of white lives matter types of things. Okay. Um, I think that the thing that is actually that takes more courage is to be black and to love yourself pers uh, publicly and privately. I think that's the thing that uh, uh, that is that is required of us. But I want to say uh, just the fact that we exist is the resistance. Just the fact that we can take care of ourselves is changing the narrative. And as long as we have breath, we are blessed. Lord, uh, I love it. I absolutely love it. I think that that's a, a great step for, forward. A great step forward. And, and, and I hope that this message starts to um, touch the ears that need it the most. <laughs> Um, like Lady Bounce was saying, she's an educator during the day. and Just seeing some of these kids, I think that they have lost hope. Yeah, and I sure. think me, you know, in my early stages of listening to hip hop, that's what it used to be, was hope. I think about hip hop and hip hop culture. When I think about when you had groups, Poor Righteous Teacher, Brand Nubian, X-Clan, mm. KRS one and then you had this this fashion sense too when you had like um the african-american college alliance sweatshirts that everybody was wearing um you had the cosby shows um tree branch show the different world um and making it a thing that like college is the thing to do because up until that around that era i didn't think about college i didn't think that far mm -hmm. in the future I think uh, the real friend show, not the one that, that people know from NBC, but the original friend show, uh, Living Single. I oh. think that that was an inspiration um, because you had all these group of young, intelligent black people. Uh, one worked on Wall Street. One had her own magazine. Uh, one was a boutique and one and they didn't forget about the, the common person. Either one was a handyman. And all of these different aspects of people, one was a lawyer, um, all these different types of people were friends, mm. great friends with each other and learned and fed off of each other. And I think that now we have this carbon copy situation where everybody is a carbon copy of the next person. Like I just explained, the original friends, which is living single, you had all these different types of people, a lawyer, a magazine owner, a stockbroker, a handyman, a boutique shop person, a secretary, all these people 
that, like I said, that was an inspiration. Even though the show, the only element of hip hop was the magazine, hip hop culture inspired shows like that and inspired shows like Different World. And it taught a generation of kids, because I was still a, a teenager in that era, to strive towards more. And even though Bill Cosby has had his problematic situations, which we shouldn't big up him because of those things, you know, we have to separate Bill Cosby, the person, from Heathcliff Huxtable. Mm -hmm. And what Heathcliff Huxtable was a symbolism of, a family man, a doctor who was married to a lawyer and, and instilled his kids to strive to be more. And I think that we could have the shame of Bill Cosby, but still have the love and respect for Heathcliff Huxtable and use that as a symbol. We don't have, as far as I'm seeing, great symbolism in the culture anymore. We have some, but it's underground. It's very suppressed and very underground and hard to find, especially in the digital age where like when I was consuming music, I was going to the record store. People aren't going to the record store anymore. They're just taking what's on the radio. They're just taking what's in their news feed. And that's becoming, that's all that there is when there's so much more out there to discover. And that was another reason for the mindfulness minute is to research. We all have the internet, as my friend TK says. We all have the same internet. And we're all mm -hmm. able to use it for more than just shucking and jiving. So yeah, I, 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 what you said made me think of that and, and, and I think that there can be a change and we just need to focus on that. You got it. You know, you see, there's always bars every time from both of you, every time that I speak to, to both of you. But <laughs> it's, it's really to say that is um, uh, we are our ancestors, you know? Uh, I think that each of us too, we are inspired to even have this conversation because there was hip hop or there was music that left in, an impact on us. Okay, there was music that inspired us in some way. And so um, we have to understand that an African way of, uh, of, of, um, of knowing involves the cyclical nature of time. That is not just the fact that uh, that the nineties was a way of, of like hip hop expressing itself, but knowing that there's a cycle of time that it eventually will bring us back to where, to where we, where we need to be. I think also is that, um, um, for me, I was thinking about fashion and how it was interesting how maybe in the sixties, maybe the fashion was different than in the seventies. It was different than the eighties was different. Nineties was different. And I kind of feel that the 2000s to the 2020s, I feel has generally been the same with fashion. That is not as big a jump uh, from the decades. So we, we need to know that uh, that's it's not by accident, that it's uh, it's on purpose. We need to know that the music staying this way is not by accident, it's on purpose. But just like, as you said, we all have, we all share the same internet. I mean, I was making hip hop music for like 10 years, but no one has ever heard of me. And I, I wasn't trying to, to make it so that, um, like I wasn't, I, I was intentionally trying to, to be in the underground because I think that's where, that's, that's where the possibilities are endless, endless of what a black person can be and what music can actually, uh, actually become. 
Um, but I, I think it's that. We have to stop trying to be a spoon-fed our truth. We have to go out and get it. And when we can decide that, you know what, instead of being like, uh, as Lady Bounce was talking about before, instead of like liking this idea that we have to, uh, to have this low level of intelligence, um, we have to start to like this idea of saying that it's cool not only to, to, to have knowledge and to seek knowledge, but also we don't need to follow what everyone else is trying to do out there. That's that's what it is. The carbon copy is because everyone is saying this is how you become successful. If you look this way, if you sound this way, and we just need to make it cool again for us to uh, to love all aspects of ourselves, even the ones that are not as cool as uh, as uh, as the others. And ultimately, we we uh, come to understand that uh, the coolness is the fact that we can be different, that we don't have to be what other people think. Uh, think we should be it's uh recognizing there's a difference between who they see us as and who we are to each other Go. i like that i, I like that a lot because there there are some moments where i i tell picket all the time that this is how i know that i'm old because the music that my students listen to i automatically think is trash which yeah. <laughs> you know, I put myself in a perspective of like my parents when mm -hmm. hip hop was, was budding and I was listening to it and they were in my room going, Turn that garbage off or yeah. turn this <laughs> off. It's Sunday. You're not listening to that. So I'm like, that's how I know I'm old because their music is utter trash. Yes. But then some of the students I talk to, which is an interesting perspective, they will tell me, Yeah, the music is trash, but this is all we got. And then for those kids. I kind of feel bad for them because they they're like yeah this is this is trash and you know this song is it it is depressing or you know talking about having all of these women and all of these drugs is it's not what i believe in but it's all i have it's the only music yeah. that i have access to so i'm always um sending them stuff or like showing them stuff i'm like you know come in my room and hang out with me and you can listen to some real music some real hip-hop i've got go you know, picket stories on the wall. And they're like, your husband is a rapper. And I'm like, yeah. So when they ask me, you know, it's always funny because they'll ask me, well, have you heard the new so-and-so song? And I'm like, no, I'm married to an MC and he doesn't let me listen to trash. So I don't know what that is. And they be like, your husband tells you what to listen to? And I'm like, in a lot of ways, yeah. I'm like, in our house, I'm not allowed to listen to stuff like that. And, and they just they crack up laughing because they're like, well, you grow. And I'm like, yeah, no. But he says no because, you know, it gets in your psyche. And then, you know, how would you feel if you came in on Monday morning and my brain was oozing out my ears because I was listening to your music and then I'm not effective to you? And they're like, okay, okay, I see. <laughs> but it, it, it is funny in that sense that, that they can recognize that you know some of it is trash and that, that they want something different they want something better they just don't know what to do like they don't know how to sure. get it sure yeah that's that's a good question i mean there's a lot of different answers for that i think that um one thing um is for my generation is different from this generation now it's, like i said we have the internet so they have access it's just a matter of knowing to go out there and look for it yeah um but in my generation like these kids now they don't want to really hear anything old but in my generation especially being in hip-hop culture we look for older stuff to check out 
that's you know that's where we got the samples from is by listening to those older songs and and feeling trying to tap in their feelings of when they were making these songs mm -hmm. and then reinterpreting that and i i don't think that i don't know if it's um a parent thing if parents aren't uh, accessing their kids letting their kids have access to this type of music and and i think that's probably something that's always been because i know a lot of um people my age their parents didn't allow them to listen to rap and things mm. like that i have relatives that are like my age that i wasn't allowed to listen to this and i was listening to everything what my mom was listening to i was going digging i was going to the record store once a week and a lot of the artists i didn't even know who they were i just thought the cover was cool and i would cop the cover i would just buy the cover just you know buy the record based on covering but there was always mm -hmm. some type of gem in there and i think that um it's a little different because of social media and the internet like i said earlier is they're only gravitating to what's in their feed and they aren't going out on their own doing the research. So we had a couple of Facebook comments. Uh, first of all, Poetic sends her apologies. She was also having technical difficulties and kept popping in and out, but she is actively um, participating in the comment section. Um, Mike Cooley told me that I was describing reverse ageism when I said that their music is trash. And I will, uh, I will accept that. I will embrace that, and I'm okay with that. But, uh, but poetic says that she feels like people are seeking conscious music. And they don't know where to find it, and a lot of the artists are trying to keep up with the timing and what the world is consuming, which may not even necessarily be how they really feel. But this is the music that the world is consuming, so this is the music that I have to produce in order to stay relevant. So, what are you guys' thoughts on that? Um shout out to poetic i'm sorry you're having technical difficulties but i'm glad you brought that up because one thing that i i've recently heard from a uh, a younger guy at, at work was uh you know he saw my new video with mike cooley in there cooley the curator and um he told me you know he listening to like i said the stuff that's in his feed and he had knowledge enough to say that yo I'm thinking about doing some rapping. I'm like, you're like 20 something. You're just now thinking about doing. She's like, yeah, because if these guys are doing what they're doing, I, I could do it too. It's like, he not recognized that there wasn't a lot of substance in what they were doing. Mm -hmm. So I, I had to redirect them. And like I said earlier, there's stuff out there that's really, really good, really great. It's just a matter. You have to go out there and find it. And, and I'm a person that I used to be like Lady Bouncer said, I used to automatically dismiss younger people's music. But now I at least I listen to it and then I'll say it's trash after I listen to it. I can say, <laughs> yeah, that's 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 horrible <laughs> um, because there are a lot of young people that are out there that are conscious and have great music, sure. but they aren't being elevated. They aren't being escalated to the top. And, I, and that might go back to what David was saying is that that's for a reason that it's not being pushed to the top yeah 100 percent um what i wanted to say too is um um i think it, it's it's a little strange because these genres of music the names that we give them are not always created by us and a lot of times they're created by our companies and marketing companies that are going to say this is what hip-hop is this is what rap is this is what rock and roll is etc cetera, etc cetera. When I was young, 
uh i used to see like we were talking about like skaters and the sk and the skater kids would listen to like heavy metal and rap music and all this stuff and i remember being told that white music was rock and roll or that metal music was rock was uh was white music so i could not listen to it so i was so supposed to not listen to these these uh musics that involved guitars and all this and the interesting thing is that um even the first person or the first groups that created punk music um so were black people like these are black bands like um i think one of them is uh what's it called i think their name it was like death and another one was a proto-punk band yeah that... a band called death yeah yeah a band called and, death yeah and there was another proto-punk band that was like jamaican like so that was have, living like, color a... living color that's yes. it yes yes that was so, their name so, so but this is this is the thing though is that uh we need to understand that um we need to just like widen our lens about what good music is and and the music that is ours and we need to re and we need to claim the music that feels good for us because i think that i've been in the situation where with some of those youth of being like yo this is the only music that's that's out there um but we just need to understand that there is music that is being pushed onto us that that um that may not necessarily be the music that is right for us uh it's just interesting for me where when i was performing back in the day and and lady bounce i, I want to say that i'm one of those people as well that um um i'm at that point where what young people are listening to is garbage so that does by by default make me uh, an old an older person mm -hmm. and uh and i also want to say too is that when i was a younger person um, I never liked what older people were doing because I think it's natural and normal for adolescents to res bad brains, bad brains. Yes, the someone from the comments uh, just said this. Yeah, uh, Mike Coley, bad brains and fishbone. Got to give them props too. Fishbone. Yeah, I forgot about them. Yeah, so but that's the thing though is that like I didn't even know that these bands existed. Um, yeah. Claim the music that feels good to us. I didn't even know that these bands existed. So I didn't even know that as a black person, as a black teenager, that I could listen to music that came from my country. You know what I mean? Like, I, I didn't even know that, that, um, you know, when we think of Elvis, obviously Elvis, like, was uh, one of the biggest, most famous plagiarizers of, uh, of black music. So when we try to say that this is what black music is, uh we need to just know that this is music that belongs to all of us and i just think that we need to widen our lens in terms of uh of understanding that a lot of what tries to constrain the type of hip-hop and the way how hip-hop is is manufactured and it's up to us to just to fight back against it by learning to just love all music because all music is beautiful except for country i'm not a big fan of country music i'm not a big fan not, of country music either. not a big not a big fan of blasphemy from both of you <laughs> no but re real being real man being real is that of course like um because I, I i realized that when i was younger it's like um I would listen to hip hop music. My parents would listen to reggae music. So then because they were older, I was like, this is old people music. So I don't listen to it. But then as I got older, I was like, yo, wait, it's good for me to know the music from where I come from. And it made me a better artist when I was able to say, yo, I'm going to put some reggae elements into my hip hop music. So I think teenagers must 
revolt against their parents. This is the way how teenagers are, are primed. Uh, this is the way how their brains work. But I think for us to become more fully human is for us to love the past, present, and the future and to, to kind of widen our lens of, of what type of music we actually are able to consume. I think that's dope. And, 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 you know, thinking about the younger generation, too, um, we recently watched the documentary on Kid Cudi. And and I guess during the time that Kid Cudi was starting to um, have his rise in fame and success uh, was probably during that time before I started hanging with Mike Cooley and I kind of was shutting off just anybody of that generation. And, and I think not just speaking of music i was doing that period you know sad to say i was doing that period because watching that documentary i still don't think a lot of the artists that are on there's music is good not listen to it now but i think more importantly there was a time that something seriously happened that i missed because i wasn't involved with it. and what mm. i missed was all of these kids being so depressed and full of safe self-hatred and and anxiety and, and the the during the era of children being super over medicated yeah. it changed them psychologically um and i mean you know because i was thinking about watching his story and then watching the artist that came under him being interviewed for his story and how he was an inspiration to him about his hard depression and anxiety and I was thinking, I was like, I had a rough life as a kid, but I wasn't depressed. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I lived in the projects. And the only thing I didn't love was seeing all that violence and drugs. Mm -hmm. But I still was a nerd at heart. I was still going to the record store. I was still reading comic books. Mm -hmm. And I was still active in sports. And I wasn't depressed. The only thing that was depressing is seeing these adults act in such a wild behavior. People shooting and stabbing each other. And you, my friend's parents were on drugs and stuff. I think one reason was I was fortunate enough to have a lot older parents. Uh, my mother was 38 when she had me. And that wasn't real late in the 70s having a kid. At, um, that age was mm -hmm. considered late having a kid. Um, so she wasn't involved in any of those things. Most of my friends' parents were my siblings' age. Um, I have a sibling that's 14 years older than me and one is 11 years old. So my friends' parents were their age. And that was the only thing that was really depressing and hard to deal with was seeing that. But other than that, I was pretty happy. But watching that movie, I was like, man, there was some time in, I guess, late 90s, throughout the mid-first section of the 2000s that I know kids were getting medicated. We had a kid that, um, ourselves that we took him to the doctor. The doctor didn't even look at him. It was just like Requiem from a Dream. If you ever seen that movie, mm -hmm, he mm -hmm. didn't even look at him. He just, he was just tried to push us some pills like, like here, give him behind this. Him. Yeah, reached <laughs> behind him, grabbed some stuff off his shelf, and was like, here, give this to him. And we got home and was like, it's going in the trash. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. Yo, I just want to say, because what you're talking about relates to uh, Dr. Rita Walker's book, uh, The Unapologetic uh, Guide to Black Mental Health, because she's talking about how it's like recently there's higher rates of like depression and suicide with black uh, males, with black youth. And 
we used to not have such high levels of of uh, black suicide rates in the United States, but there have been some changes that have been taking around the turn of the millennium. I I think, and also is that like there's higher rates of opium use, uh, opioid use. My mistake, opioid use, like the fentanyl and all them all them things, and that I feel is also a difference when I listen to hip hop music from back in the day is that they weren't talking about popping pills as much as from what I remember they weren't necessarily talking about popping pills in the 90s but there's there are some things that are taking place and what I think Dr. Rita uh, Walker is talking about is um we just need to get back in touch with our roots, even though th there is this idea of like the internet being shared and that there, there's more access to to information. A lot of black people feel as if they cannot necessarily connect to an authentic form of blackness. I think that the, part of the reason why each of us are here, we probably had some elders who did steer us on the right path or kept us kept us to be able to to like who we were and who we're meant to be. But I have to say, I feel it's harder to be raised up in this internet age than than when I than when I was younger, because like back in the day, you're talking about comic books. You, know, I had my my Nintendo and all that stuff, and my Super Nintendo. These were things that I looked forward to. Mm -hmm. Now I feel like it's almost like if I'm going to talk about video games, it's like whenever there's a new console that comes out, it's just replacing the old console that was already awesome with its graphics and all that stuff. So it's like I feel that we got so good at being able to make things great that now everything's boring so like yeah. even like like music is like is kind of standard right now like i don't know if there's going to be like anyone who's going to be able to challenge like um who's, who can be better than like a marvin Gaye or any of these things right now because everything is so standardized and everything is so polished even the mixes for hip-hop music i feel and like a lot of music right now everything's so perfect all the time but i used to love to listen to those underground records uh eastern conference all-stars was was actually like uh jakaida jakaida motormouth i don't know if anyone on your oh yeah okay oh yeah all right cool all right cool 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 so i was interested in those artists because they were i just felt that they were just doing things very differently even most deaf and like talib kweli and and all of them um but uh yeah but just to go on to onto that topic is is really like hip-hop a lot of times is just a reflection of what people are going through and when we see that the quality of the music is is decreasing to the point where even the young people are like yo maybe our music is not that that good it's because there's something in our society that's kind of sick rather than our, our children being sick talking about that example of the doctor reaching back and taking the pills um a lot of people are over prescribed medication in terms of why this opium uh, opioid crisis is taking place um, but we have to start to think why is it that the society is sick in this way and i refuse to blame our, our black brothers and sisters i refuse to blame the youth i think that there's something that is uh, a problem but we are always going to be focused on these distractions until we we get to the root of it and solve it I agree a hundred percent because I think about, you know, as, as we're always talking to me and Pinky talk a lot about how people who have nothing seem to be happier than the people who have everything. Mm. And I think one of the reasons why that is, is because the people who have everything 
have to keep working and fighting and trudging through life to maintain these things. Whereas the people who have nothing are used to it and they've gotten comfortable and complacent. And, and even in their thought that I don't need this, I've been okay all this time without it. So it's definitely, you know, kind of keep it up with the Joneses in some ways, but also like, I remember like, you know, Picky said, you know, being poor, it wasn't a big deal. Like I didn't know I was poor until I got to school and the other kids told me I was poor or mm -hmm. I looked at their clothes and, you know, went to their houses and things. I'm like, I didn't realize I was poor until somebody else put the lens on it, if that makes sense. But we were happy. Like we didn't have a lot. We didn't do a lot. And it was okay. We had our one big door. I mean, first of all, I have eight brothers and sisters. So we had our one big family outing a year where we went to Kings Island or Americana or, you know, something like that. And then we had our big, you know, holiday dinners and stuff. We, we always had what we needed and not necessarily what we wanted. And then sometimes I always, you know, I, I think back on those times and I go, gosh, I was so much happier then. Like life was mm. so much simpler then. And now I've got, I've got bills. I've got two grown kids, you know, trying to support one in college, trying to support one, you know, through working to move out and be on his own and caught up in like this rat race. And then the programming, it's, it's all too much. So then mm -hmm. we do seek out these mind altering substances, the drugs, the pills, the anything that gives us an escape or gives us some kind of relief from being in this rat race that in some ways we've put ourselves in, but at the same time we didn't. And so we just keep going and going in this cycle. And you were talking about, you know, the opioids, fun fact, not so fun fact, the state that we live in is actually the opioid capital of the world. Oh, wow. And yeah. And because we have five major highways that go through our state, we're a huge state for trafficking those opioids and the fentanyl and everything wow. and per, per capita. We have more deaths due to fentanyl and opioids than any other state in the United wow. States, which is crazy. Yeah, our state is Ohio, uh, which has always been known as the heart of it all. It sits like mm -hmm. a heart when you look at a map of the United States. Mm -hmm. And that used to be for a good reason. It used to be because all the major companies, their distribution centers were here. You had GM and Chrysler, their main plants were here but now it's for a totally different reason oh man wow. yeah i mean when you yeah. think about the real rick ross not the rapper rick ross but the real rick ross is that is how he expanded his empires when he came to ohio wow yeah wow pretty crazy but, yeah but again it's that like when we think about an opioid what it does is it stops you from feeling pain and we need to just think again, like, what is the real scale? What is the real scope of the pain that all of us are going through that is in the, like, uh, that the youth are being affected by that makes it so that they turn to these drugs in the first place. Cause mm -hmm. the, the person who suffers from an addiction is not doing it for an illogical reason. There's always a reason for why a person is going to use a specific drug. There's certain people who get addicted to certain types of drugs because of what the drug gives them. But when it's at that level, because we know that there's enough people that are dying from opioid abuse, we know that this is an, an overwhelming uh, thing. It's just, we need to really get to the cause of it. And I believe uh, the society itself is traumatized and the society yeah. itself 
bleed like bleeds its trauma into us and we inherit these things i think that when i when i'm talking about racism or even like white racist i think that many white people are not even racist but it's just that they've inherited this belief that they are white when they are not considered as white people because the people who are really running this thing are just using them as pawns but they inherit these beliefs we also as black people we inherit some beliefs that are not uh of service to us as well I think there's recent studies that say that 70% of black people in the states are actually kind of like middle class but we are always associated with poverty and it's just interesting that when we actually look at the numbers um it's not it, it, certain things are not exactly as they seem so what i do want to say though is that um uh we, we just need to be aware of the distractions uh the uncomfortable truths are the things that people don't really want to talk about it's the reason why they ban books uh mm-hmm. in in your country and it's also the reason why um uh, it's so hard for us to find hip hop music that's going to speak to us but i really think it's it's that we need to take uh this creative potential into our own hands so pick your friends if you were making hip hop before man yo we need you Need, yeah, I'm, I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep some new records, man. Yeah, I, I'm going to keep doing it. I, I've been working on an album for a little over a year now. There we go. And my plan is to re- have several releases next year. Um, I'm not looking for a record deal. I'm just looking to put uh, an alternative for people to listen to. Um, and I'll promote it the best of my ability um, so that people will have something else to listen to just to let people know. And I uh, like uh, my boy Cooley just been commenting. We always say that one thing that we can do is instead of talking about the stuff you don't like is to start in regards to music is to start promoting the things and the artists that you do like. Make sure you share those artists and your throw that in your uh, timeline and your news feed throw the artists that you do like the ones that you want to support even if you can't support them financially all the time um there's nothing to share in the link that doesn't cost you anything to share a link to their music go. and their art you know um so that's one thing that we can do lady so bounce like will say so so as we're wrapping this up and and we we definitely appreciate your thoughts david it's always a pleasure uh, you know to talk to you and 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 really trying to reclaim this thing that we call blackness or reclaim this music or reclaim our personhood which is more of what what i'd like to see more of because like i was thinking about when you were talking about you know music and like i dj so when mm-hmm. i dj i don't just play quote unquote black music i play all genres i play all years i play yeah. the music that speaks to me the music i grew up on and that's what makes me, you know, a great DJ. Like I play the songs that you didn't even know you wanted to hear like, "Oh my mm-hmm. god, that was a joint." And then here is this black girl, quote unquote, playing Madonna or playing Talking Heads and people kind of give me this funny little look like, "Well, how do you know this?" Because great music speaks to me no matter what the genre and and the race of the person who puts that music out. So, with that being said, when it comes to to hip hop especially, it doesn't just look one way or sound one way. And I, I hate that we're in this pattern right now where hip hop is only this and it only sounds like this. And it mm-hmm. only talks about this because that to me is not hip hop. You know, the one of the things I used to love about hip hop was its freedom of expression. 
that you can come from nothing and and make a song that's just as popular as somebody who came from you know the hills and had everything it it's about making music that speaks to to the people and making music that you know that is true to yourself which is one of the things i always you know enjoy about like pickett's music he's always true to himself as an artist if it don't speak to him then he's not going to speak on it as mm -hmm. opposed to you know just doing what the masses are doing because that's what's popular doing like that's the thing so for for different artists you know out there i would encourage any artist stay true to who you are when you make the music that you make because somebody's always going to pick it up and somebody's always going to be listening and looking for something that's different than what's always on the shelves or what is always um you know shoved down our throats if you will like i love beyonce but i'm oversaturated with beyonce and she's not the greatest singer but some of the singers that sing better than her don't have the machine behind them that she has sure. so i i make a point like piggy said to look for the artists that speak to me that make the music that speak to me and then i promote that as opposed to you know dissing and dogging the things that i don't like and giving that that negative shine you know on things try to maintain that that positivity and, and sharing you know what speaks to me so with that sir picky is that our self-care assignment for this week yeah that that sounds like a jewel to me yeah this today this week's self-care assignment is to promote the things that bring you joy the artist that brings you joy since it's hip-hop history month promote the artist that bring you joy don't worry about what's in your news feed. If you like an underground artist, make sure you share their music and how people can purchase their music. Word up. I like sure. it. Dope, dope. So that's that's our show for this week. We want to thank you once again. Um, now, if you saw the self-care assignment, this is on the fly. Nobody, this is in rehearse. This is off the fly. But if you saw today's self-care assignment on the page was about starting a book club. We are starting a book club on the fly with this podcast. We're going to start December 1st after Hip Hop History Month. And our first book that we're going to be reading, this gives you a few weeks to go get this book, is David, show him the book again. Oh, oh, for real? Well, this okay well this one is is like uh so racial trauma recovery healing our past using rhythm and processing this is a pretty nice book it is uh what i do want to say though is that there's also this book as well black meditation which may be for most people but if you want to read this one this one is for clinicians this one is for people who want to learn how to eliminate racial trauma if you're a trained therapist but people may like it but this one also is also maybe down the alley as well because this one is about like uh like anybody skills anybody can use but i mean right. it's really up to you oh well, that's <laughs> where we go let's go with the black meditation let's go with the Don't black have meditation book? you have that book i gotta get got me a copy yes Yo, I, I got her that she has that book if there is that then please let me know if you're having that book club i would love to uh to, to talk with you guys about it after. Oh, yeah, we'll definitely have you here. We, that's what we're going to do. Start December 1st, Black Meditation by David Archer. So it gives you a couple of weeks to go cop that off of Amazon. And we're going to start December 1st. We're going to be discussing that book. So we're going to have you come back again 
and we're gonna good. really break down this book. That's this is off the fly, nothing rehearsed. Like I said, that was today's self-care assignment on the page. And I think that it's really important that we're talking about knowledge today. So let's fill our brains with knowledge. So that's Black Meditation by David Archer. That's on Amazon. We'll cop that December 1st. We're going to be talking about that. Word up. For real, man. Yo, much blessings, many blessings to each and every one of you and to your listeners. Just to remember that we are we are blessed because we we have breath. Okay, that's some that's some bars too that I got to drop, man. But, yo, but much appreciation, and yo, looking forward to the next time when we can share the airwaves together. All right, definitely, definitely appreciate you, appreciate you as always. That's our show for this week. It's your boy Picket Fence. I'm your girl, Lady Bounce. We out of here. Peace. Peace. Peace.